Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, um, wow, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that you would let us uh, know about you. Uh, we who are uh, just not deserving of your, um, your word to us, and yet, um, and yet you have uh, poured yourself out uh, for us that we might know you. Uh, Lord, uh, however far we've come in our journey with you and however far we have to go, we ask that you would uh, draw us ever nearer to yourself, uh, take us ever higher and ever deeper uh, at the same time. Lord, let us uh, know you. Let us identify ourselves with you um, as you have identified yourself uh, with us uh, in your baptism, uh, in your suffering, uh, in your death. Uh, in your eternal life, you have given yourself to us. So, Lord, let us uh, let us know you. Let us let us long for you, and let us um, see you today afresh. We ask that you would be our teacher. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. All right. So, uh, four on forty. This is number three. And um, if you have not been here, just a, a little brief description of what this is. Uh, I'm about to turn forty, and um, and so I am. Um, just thinking about the number 40, and a lot of times, because uh, the number 40 is really significant. If you think about a lot, really all of the the major points in salvation history throughout Scripture, the number 40 is probably associated in some way. And um, and that is, as I approach 40 years old, I think, well, what what is it? You know, what what? It, how significant is that for me? And I don't know. Just want to just want to think about it and. Um, you know, we're busy, and so if I really want to give some time and thought to things, I need to I have to teach about it, because that's just how it, it has to work, work into the, um, into the routine. So, um, so this is, this isn't like a memoir of Joe Gibbs or anything like that. It's just, just me, um, thinking. And, and so we have, uh, we looked a couple of weeks ago at Noah and the story of judgment and really the amazing, um, also the story of grace, uh, in, in God's deliverance of Noah. Uh, from judgment, and um, as we looked at, at that, and we looked last week at the wandering um, Israelites in the desert, we moved to the New Testament this week with the uh, temptation narratives of Jesus, and um, and then we um, and then we will go next week to the resurrection accounts uh, of Jesus. Uh, all um, uh, really all uh, all significant markers in salvation history for us. And, uh, and you might be not quite 40. You might be um, quite 40. And so, um, and, um, and, but I think all, hopefully this, this, has, um, this has some bearing uh, on, on your life. Um, I ha- I was, I'll tell you, I was surprised as I really got into, uh, really got into um, this passage as to really sort of what it was about. And we'll, we'll talk uh, about that, but let, um, I'm going to uh, read mostly. I'm going to read pretty much exclusively from Matthew uh, chapter four, uh, verses one through eleven. Uh, if you have your Bibles, it'd be great to turn in that. I've got it. I'll have it on the slides uh, as well. Um, Luke also has an almost identical account. Um, it is not exactly identical, but it's very, very close. Um, you know, there's three temptations uh, of uh, Satan, and um, Matthew and Luke swap two and three. So, whereas um, what, what what is one two three for Matthew, Luke has one three two. So, um, and they have good reasons for doing that, just in their own uh, emphases. Mark um, mentions that he was tempted. John does not. Although, interestingly, as I thought about what this passage 
uh, means all the verses that came to mind uh, as sort of um, proof texts for it were um, were from John. So we'll we'll see. So they they really hit a lot of the the same uh, themes. So let's just let's read the passage first, and and then we will um, then we'll go through there. Did that. Um, I just I got some um, artwork too. Just you can kind of pay attention to to some of the different artist renderings. Kind of help me think about uh, this. It's very interesting uh, to me, and there's a lot more out there uh, than what I was able to get. So Jesus uh, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. That's how I always I love the Bible is so understated, right? He was uh, he was he was hungry. He'd gotten hungry. Um, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's our comic book illustration. Uh, and Then the devil took him to the holy city and sent him uh, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands uh, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So Satan uses Scripture uh, too. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him to all the showed to him all the king kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, "All these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me." And then Jesus said to him, "Be gone, Satan, uh, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve." Uh, then the devil left him. And behold, angels came uh, and were ministering to him. Um, I just want to ask uh, you, you as as we come into this really f- very familiar passage, and I, I can't, I probably, I don't know telling how many sermons or classes I've, I've heard on this, um, telling how many times I've read through this passage. I wonder, as you hear it, um, and as you hear it again, what are, in, in a sentence... Uh, or maybe two sentences. What uh, what do you think of? What what does it bring up for you as as we begin as we sort of approach the text? What does what is hearing this? What what how do you read this? How do you uh, what how does it speak to you in a sentence or two? Anybody want to share that? I feel like they can offer. Yeah. I love the end this story because I'm fascinated by the in, in all aspects of Jesus but Jesus as a man mm-hmm. and that he had gone through an ordeal and then he I mean it must have been very hard to resist the turning the stones into bread mm-hmm. um, turning down the devil because, as we all know, that's very, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word, attractive. The devil can be attractive. Mm-hmm. But then at the, and that must have been very hard, too. But then at the end, as a fully human 
person he got ministered to. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that speaks to the fact that we can all relate to Jesus as someone who went through everything that we've ever sure. gone through. Yeah. Okay, thank you. How else does it strike you? I think it's interesting that the devil is dangling in front of Jesus the face it needs and desires. But really, these are things that you can get as well through the Lord. It's like the devil's just tempting because it's like, get it through me and there's quick, instant gratification, sort of. And um, it just reminds me that through patience and faithfulness in, in the Lord, that you can actually get all these things through him. You don't have to get to the Lord. Right. Right. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, definitely. I agree. I like the, the testing of the Lord. Because, you know, you think, you know, you think more Jesus, man, it would be real easy that the devil has just, you know, been hammering you here for this four-day period. You go, just throw yourself down. You know, certainly, well, you know, it'd be easy to go, you know what, you're right, look, let me show you the Lord. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that'd been an easy, that seems like that's the easy one to resist and go, look, I know God will take care of me. It's fine. Yeah. But just to go, no. Really tempting. I think I'll throw myself down and yeah, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that annoying kind of voice thing. I'll put you in right here. Sure, sure. I always thought it was really an audacious move by the devil. If he knows who God is, try this. Isn't that right? Yeah. Isn't that right? That is very that is very true. Uh, I, I think this is, um, this, this is a, a lot of times what... What I think of, or we think of, when we think of uh, temptation, um, uh, I think uh, you know it says, uh, "Do you really want to spend the rest of your life wondering?" You know, like just what what's going to happen. Uh, I just thought that. I mean, I think of temptation typically as um, uh, I don't know, just as uh, in terms of you know cookies, or, or you know. Uh, maybe um, you know, may, maybe some you know, li- life's too short, you know. So I'm just gonna, whatever, you know. Like I don't know. I, th- I just think of um, my my willpower. I don't really think about temptation that much because I, you know, I just you know, jump right in. Typically, I mean, it might be something on on um, on the internet, and I'd really do try to stay away from stuff I shouldn't see on the internet. I, in fact, I do a pretty good job of that. But I I just um, uh, it, at the same time, it, it's. Temptation to me is is seems very su- sort of superficial and surface level, uh, and yet um, if we take a look at what um, what the Greek word meant, sort of the layers of I don't know if you think of temptation that way, um, but it, it's just it's really for me temptation is about what I should and shouldn't do, what is good for me in the moment, um, and yet that really is is uh, Jesus' temptation was so far beyond. Uh, that and and if you and and it actually points us to uh, what temptation actually is um, for us. The the Greek word is is perazo, and I tried so hard to find a Greek text uh, font to put it in here, but I couldn't do it. So um, perazo is is the and so it has a few meanings. One is just to try, just to try something out. If you tried to, you know, dunk on a basketball goal, that, that would be the word you tried. Uh, perazo. Uh, to, as to endeavor to do something, um, then there's there's two senses in which it means to put to the test. The first is is a positive sense to see what you're made of. You know, to, um, you might think of a uh, I don't know, like the, the image that comes to my mind anyway is like an Indian brave. They used to put them to the test to see if they were ready for to become a warrior or whatever. Um, that was a positive thing, and 
Um, and so, but also we see uh, this in the negative sense uh, as to trick. And we'll put them to the test to see if they to see if they fail, not to see if they succeed, but to see if they fail. To trick them, to bait them into someone into something. And then the final um, sense is is um, is to tempt, as we think, of, to entice, uh, to provide an enticing appeal, uh, uh, particularly to to sin, to uh, provide an an enticing appeal to do something you should not do, that God does not want you to do. Um, and so, uh, actually, we see uh, all three of these, or at least the, the two tests and the temptation, we see that. And I think this is the this, this picture is really sort of captures it for me. I thought that was the most sort of gripping. I feel like there's some light issues going on. Are we, are we, are we flipping or you can I'm going to test those over there if you wanted to see that. But Jesus was tested in the very positive sense um, by, uh, I mean, he, unmistakably, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. This is, this is um, that looks great, thank you. Um, uh, he was led by the Spirit of God according to the will of God, uh, God the Father, to test the Son of God to see what He was made of. Um, to see uh, if He would pass the test. God was um, willing to put Him in that position. God the Father was willing to put God the Son in that position uh, in order that He might prove Himself in a very positive sense. Uh, this is an important, positively, this is an important uh, thing for us, that Jesus was in the wilderness. Um, but also, negatively, he was uh, tempted by Satan uh, in, a, in an appeal. Hey, he, this, this is what's so interesting about these three. He appe- craftily, he appeals to his divinity in order to trip up his humanity. Um, use your superpowers to get bread because you are so hungry. Um, use your superpowers uh, to throw yourself down, trusting that God will uh, lift you back up. Well, if, if um, and then uh, so those those particularly uh, more than the third, but the um, but he appeals to his divinity. But what's going to stumble is his humanity, and Jesus prevails uh, in both. Um, and then of course he is he's tempted. Um, to sin, but really, what he's tempted, where he's tempted to sin, is against the first commandment. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, he 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 wasn't he didn't the devil didn't come to him and say, hey, let's go kill somebody. You know, he didn't say, hey, let's um uh, let's dishonor your mother. Um, Jesus, he he didn't appeal to Jesus on on that level. I I, did, I do wonder why he didn't just have somebody walk past. Jesus with a warm loaf of bread, you know, like that to, to make him covet. You know, I just think that that would have been smarter. But um, shows how I think. But the um, um, but but he appealed to uh, Jesus to do the exact same thing that he had done. Who knows how many millennia or eons before Satan tried to get Jesus to take the place of the Father. Um. He tried to get him to bypass the Father's provision for himself and go and take it for for his own. Um, and that is um, that is the most sort of pernicious um, uh, thing. Martin Luther said that when we are when we sin, we we break the first commandment before breaking any of the other commandments. 
And, it's, um, and what that is is that before we covet or before we bear false witness or before we break the Sabbath, we are saying that, that we are our own God before God is God. When I, if I do fall into temptation, whether it's cookies or whatever it is, you know, um, that I, um, that I am saying that I'm, I'm in control. That I want to, um, I want to be God unto myself. And, um, and that is, I mean, I can look back over my, my life and, and the, the instances of, of giving in to that desire to be God unto myself trump all the other desires. Uh, or, or maybe a better way to say it is that fuels all the other desires. To, to be God unto myself. And that's, that's, that is the, that's right back in the garden. That's Eve and Adam um, saying to God, well, maybe God doesn't know what's best for me. Uh, maybe, maybe I do need to go and, and reach out for myself and try that. That's the sin. The apple, there's nothing different about the fruit. The, 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 what, it was just fruit, I think. I, I think that, I mean, the, the sin is saying, uh, God said this, but I know better. And I'm going to give myself what I think. And Satan's chief temptation of Jesus is to say, don't wait on the Father, but come, come and get it. Come to, um, uh, come to the, um, get for yourself uh, the provision uh, that you want. Get for yourself the power uh, that you deserve. And you know what? Like, like all of creation, literally hung in the balance in those 40 days. I guess it was really at the end of the 40 days, right? And that, that afternoon. I mean, what would have happened if Jesus said, okay? If Jesus had used his powers wrongly, uh, if Jesus had bypassed uh, the Father. Uh, the question, I guess, one question to ask is, and I, I don't claim to have all the arguments or to think as deeply as some have thought about it, but um, the question is, could Jesus have failed? I mean, could, could he have, was he really tempted or was he just like, well, I'm God and so I'm going to do the right thing? Um, or could Jesus have actually said, you know what, you're right. Nobody's going to see it. You know, I'm just, I'm going to turn these stones into bread because I've already done the 40 days, right? I've already done 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. I'm just hungry. Actually, a few calories will help me uh, to... It, Help me to think more clearly uh, against these next temptations that are that are probably coming. You know, you're right. I'm just gonna um, make bread for myself. We see in the feeding of the five thousand, Jesus doesn't need stones to, to make bread. He, I mean, when he when he created, he created out of nothing. Jesus could have snapped his fingers or just said the word, "Let there be bread," and there would have been there would have been bread. Um, but uh, but what is uh, amazing is that Jesus does not uh, appeal uh, to his uh, humanity, even though he was uh, surely in all his humanity incre- uh, incredibly famished. Um, at the very, I mean, I can't, I, I, can't I, I don't like to go like without a snack. I can't imagine, I mean, I have, I've fasted a few days, but I, I can't, uh, I mean, it's hard. It's hard, hard, hard. I can't, I can't imagine uh, fasting 40 days. I know some folks who have tried it. Um, and 
and I think that, and they start thinking, well, I'm not eating, but I'm, um, but but drinking is okay, like milkshakes, you know, like I mean, you're like you just think, well, I mean, who am I to laugh at them? I mean, good grief, they're fasting 40 days, but I just think, I mean, at some point, you're just trying to come up with something, you know, like, well, chicken broth is sort of, you know, like you're just that has a little protein. I mean, you're just. Jesus was in the, can you imagine, like, I, I, you can't take a boat, a day on the boat in the sun without some water. I mean, he was in the desert for, for 40 days and 40 nights. Can't, you can't imagine, like, how cracked his lips and his tongue uh, must have been. And how desperately his physical self wanted uh, nourishment. And yet... So in tune with the Father was he that he he was willing to wait on the provision of God. And of course, the angels came and ministered to him right right after this. But he was right there. Could he have failed? Yes. Yes, he could have failed. And the reason that he we I believe that he could have failed is that um, uh, Hebrews says uh, the book of Hebrews says uh, that Jesus is one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. He is not tempted as you and I are if he could have said, unless he could have said yes. Unless he could have given in. Because you and I know it's not temptation if it's not, there's not a possibility of, of taking it. And so I think, I mean, like, what would have happened to creation? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, can't, I don't know what would have happened had he given in. Uh, but what I, to prove himself, um, against this annoying rogue angel how he could certainly have said I'll show you and yet he didn't feel the need to do that what would have happened if he had given into his enticements um, I don't know but um, the church father is Gregory of Nazianzus I know that you're thinking was it Nazianzus or was it Gregory of Nyssa and um uh, I, I know you're thinking that, but I, I, um, I, I'm pretty sure it was Nazianzus. They, they were contemporaries. They were like buddies. But, um, but anyway, he said, um, he said Christ uh, could not have redeemed what he himself had not experienced. In other words, he couldn't just sort of throw a blanket over humanity. He had to f- enter into it fully. And so, he, yes, he could have failed. And that's why his redemption is, is so important. So here is when I sort of approached, began to approach the text... I sort of thought it was about, like, I, looking back over my life, I had so many times where uh, temptation or giving in temptation or wondering what the Lord, running from the Lord, what was that, you know, desert times, wandering times for me, what could I learn about this? And, and, and I would say that um, what I feel like is that this text is not principally um, about, uh, about how we can avoid temptation or how we should avoid temptation. I think there's lots to learn about that and we'll actually talk about that for just uh, a little bit. But actually, the text principally is about who Jesus is. Uh, this, his, his victory over Satan in the, um, in the desert is principally about the identity of Jesus. He is, and especially in Matthew, uh, we see, if you, if you know about, if you've read Matthew, there's, I mean, over and over again, it is written, it is written, it is written. He, Matthew is sort of the, thought of as the most Jewish of the, um, uh, of the Gospels. Uh, and he is uh, seen is principally uh, here as uh, the perfect Israel. I mean, you can't read this story without thinking of, um, of Israel wandering 
uh, in the desert for 40 years. Um, the Old Testament even calls uh, Israel God's son. I think it's Habakkuk, maybe it's Haggai. Um, out of Egypt I called my son. Um, Israel grumbled about not having food uh, in the desert, uh, not having water. Uh, they were always um, uh, grumbling about uh, where they were going to have their power, which is uh, thinking specifically about their land. Uh, Jesus was wandering in the wilderness, so there's a good chance that he was on the other side of the Jordan River uh, at this time, which is where Israel uh, was. Um, and Israel was constantly giving in uh, to worship of false gods. And, um, and so they were constantly giving in to the tempter's foils. Uh, Jesus uh, sort of proves himself uh, over all of those things. Jesus is the perfect Israel. Israel was uh, chosen by God, selected by God to bear witness about God uh, to the nations. Jesus, uh, where they failed, Jesus succeeded um, so that he might bear witness about God uh, to the nations. Over and over again, uh, Israel did not trust the Lord for um, the Lord's provision, and they went and got it for themselves, and it always failed, and therefore they could not bear witness about the nations um, or to the nations about the Father. Um, they could play no redemptive role uh, in the, for the nations because they had wandered uh, away from the Father. Um, but then we see Jesus. He's born in the city of David. He's brought out of Egypt. Um, he's baptized in the Jordan River. Uh, and we think uh, he comes out of the Jordan and the skies part. We see a uh, thing of Israel crossing the Red Sea and the waters are part. Uh, where Israel had failed in faithfulness, Jesus succeeds. He is uh, the perfect Israel, and uh, he is the perfect Israel because he is uh, really the perfect man. Uh, he is the perfect human. Uh, where just as he is the second Israel, he is the second Adam. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans, um, John five nineteen, uh, the Son. This is Jesus talking. The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. I mean, that's Jesus was locked into the will of the Father. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. John 10, 30, I am the Father of one. And we see this here in, in the wilderness. Um, despite being terribly hungry, uh, He is able to withstand the devil's temptations. Um, I, I've got, I talk about my kids a lot uh, in, in classes and sermons and things. Uh, if my kids, uh, they're really just like me. If they're tired and hungry, you can forget it. Right? Like it's a, you just like, like just feed them and and take a nap, um, or, or else I, I'm going to have to feed myself and take a nap. Um, Jesus is able to with, uh, withstand. He's incredibly hungry he's, because he's locked in uh, to the will of the Father. This is not, therefore you should, I mean you should, but this is not, the first thing is not that you, if Jesus did it, then you can too. Right? This, that's, it, like, no, he did it because you didn't do it, because you won't do it. Um, he did it to because he's the perfect you. Uh, he is uh, everything that he was created to be in his humanity. He was in his divinity, and everything that you were created in your humanity, uh, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And he never fell short. Uh, he looked uh, to the Father. Um, and therefore, since he is the... Um, since he and the Father are one, since he uh, looked to the Father, he is therefore the only one who is qualified to redeem Israel and to redeem us. 
Um, so that's that's my next my next slide. He's the only one who's qualified to redeem us. Um, and and this is in this passage, this narrative. This is the thing to cling to uh, above everything else. I mean, there there are. I think we can learn a lot about the devil. We see that he is. Uh, number one, we see the devil is real. Uh, that he is is a person who comes and initiates trouble. That he is a is seen here as a tempter, uh, one who is uh, trying to entice Jesus away from. Uh, uh, from the will of the Father, we can see all those things uh, in our own lives, and um, and we can see that Jesus um, talked about Scripture. I'm going to talk about Scripture in just a minute, um, and those are that's important. But principally, to understand about this passage, that Jesus is the Redeemer, He is the Son of God. Uh, we are. I, I just think about my life, and I don't know how you work, but I, I am much more likely to avoid temptation, uh, in temptation from sin. If I focus on the one who did not give in to sin, rather than on my responsibility to not give in to sin, does that make sense? Like, if I think, oh, I just, I can't do this. I can't. I, last night we um, we baked cookies for the Schneiders. You know, wasn't that nice of us? And um, we um, actually, I didn't bake cookies, but my kids and, and Amy did. And I walked past them about four times, uh, and I was like, I, you know, I, I went, um, I, I had s'mores last night. Thomas, I went camping. I. Um, I don't. I'm gonna have salsa biscuit in the morning. I really don't need uh, these cookies. The fifth time, handful of cookies. You know, right? You know, like I just. I've already walked past it four times. I, I deserve one now. Um, um, if I focus on my own willpower, uh, I'm eventually gonna re- reward myself, or I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna give in. I'm gonna justify myself. If I focus. No, I didn't. I mean, it's cookies. It's, see, that's how I think of temptation. What ultimately I did was I said, I'm God. And I'm going for myself, and I'm I'm going to do what's this. Now that's a silly example, but I think that that what we have to focus on here is that who is that He is the Son of God. He is the one who uh, has beaten uh, our temptation for us. And if we can see that, if we can um, uh, continue to focus on Christ, then we will be much more likely to overcome uh, temptation. Now. How do you do that? How, so now, here's the question: How do you f- continually focus on Christ? And I, I think that the key to that is by confessing your sin and your inability to focus on Christ. It sounds counterintuitive, but the more that you come to Him and receive His grace and mercy, the more you come and confess your sin. The more you come and say, Jesus, I am not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. I did it again, Jesus. I, um, I ate the cookies. <laughs> you know, whatever your cookies are. Um, I, um, I, um, and I need your mercy. Continually focusing on Him and on His kindness. His kindness is meant to lead us to repentance, Paul wrote. And it's in coming to him in repentance and confession. And, you know, repentance isn't amendment of life. We've taught that a few times. Repentance is not changing your ways. Repentance is saying, I'm in need of a Savior. I have come to the end of myself. I'm poor in spirit. Um, And so, so the way that we keep Christ and the way that we focus on um, him is by confessing our sin. If you can confess your sin, 
over and over, you will get to know the one whose property is always to have mercy. And then, I mean, you look back over the course of your life um, and see uh, transformation. Um, and so he is. So if you focus on your own willpower, I think I think we are um, not going to have as much success. So you're not sh- shaking your head. Yeah, I agree. So I think about as I approach 40, like I, I want to, um, and I'm, I'm looking at my next 40, right? And, I, and I'm thinking that I really just want to confess and I want to approach, I, I want to think about Jesus rather than myself. Because if I'm just focused on me and I shouldn't do this, and my, I'm thinking, still thinking about myself, I want to think about Jesus. But I also want, and so that's, that's the first thing I want to hold on to, is I want, I want to know Jesus. I want to long for him. I want to love him, and I want him to be the first thing that's on my mind when I'm talking to my wife, when I'm talking to my children, when I'm disciplining my children, when I'm coming to work, when I'm driving in traffic, when I get cut off, when I get um, too much change back in the checkout line, when I get um, not enough change in the checkout line, when my pizzas um, that I've ordered for a whole party show up and they're not made. Like, I want to... um, (laughs) Which, theoretically. But I, um, I want to... Um, think about Jesus, and I want Him to govern me. And then, I mean, that's that's because for so long, I don't. I, for so long, I approached Christianity as you know, ten ways to live a better life. I mean, I and 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 it's not that at all. It's about Him and the life that He lived. And it's not so that I can live a life like Jesus. It might be about that later. I mean, it's not about that, but that might happen later. I hope. But what happened? What what it is about is thank, saying thank you, Lord, for what you've given to me in yourself. It allows me to love people that aren't lovable, to love people who have disappointed me, um, to resist temptation, um, and to um, honor Him, uh, to focus on what mercy He has given uh, to me. Um, how do I get to know Jesus? Well, that's by Scripture. And we see Jesus have this, doc, this incredible uh, doctrine uh, of Scripture. You cannot have a higher doctrine of Scripture than Jesus had. Um, you do not need to worry about making an idol out of Scripture um, because Jesus didn't worry about that. Jesus took Scripture, the Old Testament, He took it as if it was stated in Scripture, then it was the Word of God. He did not waste time thinking about, well, I mean, did, did God really mean this for our time because our culture has changed a lot since then? Or did all were all these things meshed uh, together uh, out of different tribal deities? And we have, he didn't spend time with that. He said, if it is in the Bible, then it is the Word of God for us today. And, um, and therefore, Jesus knew it intimately. He held to it steadfastly. And, um, and such that when, he, when Satan came to him and offered him the chance to usurp the Father and put himself in God's place and provide for himself, to prove himself, to just, Jesus could justify himself. Throw yourself, that's what this is about. Throw yourself down and prove that you are the Son of God. Show me. Show me what you got. Jesus did not need to justify himself because he had the Father. Why did he know that? Because he had Scripture. The Bible was the words of life for Jesus, and it should be the word 
of life for us. Um, the principal means by which the Son of God adhered to the will of God uh, uh, in the desert was by appealing to the Word of God. Uh, that was uh, so. You cannot have uh, a higher view of Scripture than Jesus. He said that he quoted Deuteronomy three times. He said, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." Every word. It means when you're reading through the Bible and you get to the genealogies, like they, there's value in the like. <laughs> It's hard to find the value in reading genealogies about people that you don't can't even pronounce their names. Is there value in there? Yes, because it's Scripture. It is the Word of God uh, to you. Even in the genealogies, even in the minor prophets, they just seem, oh my gosh, I have to read about blood and guts again. Um, even in Revelation, where you think, just like this is the weirdest thing. It's like John was on acid. I don't know, like... It is the it is scripture? I don't. I mean, yes, there are things to talk about about how scripture came to us, but it is not ours to. We don't uh, seek to understand scripture before we stand under it. We stand under it first and let the word of God, uh, by the Spirit, reveal it to us. There are um, things to think about, but there it is the inerrant word of God because it, it is has come to us as God has willed for it to. How shall we know every word that proceeds from the mouth of God from Scripture? So, if you are um, to grow in Christ, you must be in Scripture. It is enough for your salvation for you to believe that Jesus died for your sin. If you believe that Jesus' death on the cross atoned for your um, sin, then you are a Christian. However, and I don't, I hate to even say however after that because that is a that is a truth. But I want to just say to this, if you don't care to grow as a Christian, if, if growing in Christ, if the truth of your forgiveness hasn't gripped us so much that we want to know more and more about this Jesus and about the foundation in the Old Testament that He stood on, then perhaps we don't actually understand what it may, means that we have been saved from our own sin. How do you know what it means? Read the Bible. Even if it's fuzzy, Find descriptors. Come and talk to us. Talk. Be in a small group. Uh, talk it out with your friends. If you want to grow as a Christian, and you do, be in Scripture. Be in a small group. Study the Bible. Read the Bible in a year. Get a Bible in a year plan and take three years. I don't care. Read, be in Scripture. Um, uh, read the blog. Read what. Do whatever you want. Uh, however works best for you. You don't have to do the same method that works best for me, but do what's best for you to learn and be in Scripture. Because temptation is going to come, probably today, right? And it is, um, it's going to come as a negative test, as an enticing uh, appeal. And how will you know the Jesus who saved you uh, if not from Scripture? Uh, if you just only pray... And you are, uh, then we are, when, let me say it like this. When we only pray and are not in Scripture, we are in danger of God's voice sounding a lot like our own. Um, scripture governs that for us. Uh, how will you know God's will if not from Scripture? I've talked to people who said, you know, I just, I just really think it's God's will for, uh, this is going to sound crazy, but it's true. I just really think God has given me this, this 
this woman who I know I'm married to somebody else, but the God just wants me to be happy right now. No. <laughs> there are other issues. How do we know there are other issues? Because of Scripture. Um, and and our, there are times where we don't like what Scripture says. I'm an Episcopal minister. There are it'd be much more convenient if Scripture said things other than what it says. But it doesn't. And yet, if I look to the one who saved me, then I, and I want to be like him, then I need to have as high a view of Scripture as he did. The way that the Son of God adhered to the will of God was by the Word of God. So, um, let's be people of the book. Let's be a people, uh, not because we have to, but as a redeemed people who have experienced the mercy of God because we believe it and that in it uh, are the words of life. You remember in John 6 where um, Jesus has just basically run everybody off with his hard teaching. And he looks at the disciples and says, Are you going to leave me too? Remember what Peter said? He said, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. And so, friends, if I, I want you to want... I mean, I want to encourage in you a, a longing after Scripture. I know it's hard. I know it comes and goes. Um, but I want to say to you that, that we, are, we stand here, and that's part of what we are as a church, is people to help you understand this, uh, what it means. Um, and, and we want you to email us and call us and, and we want to equip your small groups and, and we want to um, teach you from the pulpit and teach you in classes. But if we don't have this, then we don't have anything. And if we get to judge it and say, um, and, and say uh, you know, well, I, 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 take, I like this part, but I don't like this part. Or, you know, I just don't think that... Like, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you this, and it sounds, sometimes it's a little bit controversial... I think that Jonah, I think the story of Jonah is a fable. Like, I don't think it really happened. Um, and yet, I think that the truth that it expounds, I have to stand under. Like, I'm, and you're going to say, oh gosh, he's a liberal. I'm, I'm really, like, I just think that, I think that it was put in the, I, I think it was put in the Bible for a very specific reason. And I, and I am completely bound as a Christian to follow what it says. I, if he, and I do believe that God is big enough that he could send a fish that could swallow Jonah. I believe that it could have happened. I believe that, I think when I read Jonah, I think that it was, it was put there for a purpose and I am completely and utterly bound to that purpose. So I still, I believe everything the book of Jonah says and I think that we are called to adhere to it. So that's what I mean by, by Scripture. It's not... That's not an error. It's there for a reason. We want to read it as it wants to be read. Um, Scripture wants to tell us something, and what does it want to tell us? Um, Now, I don't think that we have that liberty with the Gospels. I do believe they happened, right? You know, I do believe, I don't think um, that we have the liberty like that when we look at um, Jesus casting out a a demon. Like that, I think that happened. Uh, And yet, even if you don't think that happened, we still stand under the lessons that that had. We can wrestle with that, but we stand under Scripture before we seek to understand it. And as we stand under it, it will come. So you can push back. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but you can push back uh, on uh, on that a little bit. We have a few minutes uh, if you want to. Um, but those, that's really, as I look forward as a Christian, as I look back and I look forward, I want to hold on to Jesus. 
Um, I want to long for him, and I want to be a, a man of the book. So um, I hope that's what what you get out of this. I think that's what the temptation narrative points me to in this at this season in my life. So what do we um, what do we think? What do we do I push back or what do you have to say? Jeff, I like your point about temptation is when we want to bypass God. We want to seize our own provision and not wait for mm-hmm. His. And that seems to be Satan's the way he operates. And if you go back to Genesis 3, and his temptation to Adam and Eve was to be like God. Right. And you can bypass. Mm-hmm. And to that just just resonates for all of us mm-hmm. where we see where we find temptation in our own lives. Taking our hands off of our lives and letting God be the one who provides is, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I think I just—I feel like I just freaked you out by saying that. I, I think <laughs> it is the Word of God. A hundred percent. That's what I mean. Trying to say, like, I, it is the Word of God, and so we are. Um, to us, and we stand, uh, stand with it. All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you uh, sent your Son Jesus to be the one who is qualified to redeem us. Thank you that He um, said, "Not my will, but Your will be done." Uh, oh, Father, thank you for sending Him to the cross. Uh, let us love Him. Let us love Him as He lives uh, for us, as He stands interceding on our behalf. Let us love our Lord Jesus and remember that He. He uh, is the one by whom your property is always to have mercy. So thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for what we have in Jesus. Let us be people who long for him and cling to him and who have him at the front of our minds. And let us love your word, Lord God. Give us the courage to dive into it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.